All right, well, because we have a potluck today, our regular kids' class, which normally meets back here, is in the garage, and kids, you're welcome to go to that at this time. If you're new with us, uh, we have a kids' class that we offer every Sunday during the worship service, and uh, we're so grateful for all of our children here. We also have a fully staffed nursery uh, that typically meets in the room over here, and on these Sundays, it meets in the back larger room, and uh, you're more than welcome to make use of that if you would like. Um, I want to invite you, if you would, to join me in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. And we'll be considering verses 35 uh, to 39 here today. Uh, When I started digging into this text uh, that we're about to look at, multiple conversations uh, with several of you came to mind. Uh, By the way, don't let that scare you or anything about what I'm about to say next. Uh, But the more and more that I thought about this text, the more and more of these conversations that I've had with some of you just kept coming and coming and coming to mind. And I realized that, wow, I've I've kind of had this same particular conversation again and again. And though each conversation was different, they each essentially boiled down or kind of came around to the same thing. Which makes me think this, that this passage that we're going to look at here today, um, I think it's really going to help us. Because it's getting at something right where I think all of us live every single day. Maybe I could just give you a few generic representative samples of the kind of conversations I'm referring to. None of these are actual specific real conversations, but I think uh, good samples of some of these. Uh, Maybe the first conversation, conversation sample number one might go something like this. Uh, As I go throughout my day, I don't know what to do. There are so many ministry needs in people's lives uh, spiritually and not even to mention practically. And they all kind of just seem to be falling into my lap again and again and again. And I want to meet them all and I don't want to let anybody down, but I feel like I can't keep up. I honestly, I feel uh, run off my feet. I feel overwhelmed and exhausted and I have a hard time discerning the difference between the needs that I could meet and the needs that I should meet. And basically, what do I do? Help. And some of you would maybe fall into that category. If that's conversation sample number one, conversation sample number two might go something like this. I don't know what to do either, but I don't feel overwhelmed. Actually, I feel underwhelmed. I'm looking for something to do today. I want to do something uh, that is eternally significant and valuable and counts for the glory of God, so to speak. But I'm honestly not sure what to do or if I could do it. And um, I've lots of time, but I really need some direction or something to do. Conversation sample number three uh, is a conversation that hasn't really happened. It's maybe the non-existent conversation that might represent a whole different group of people. And it might go something like this after hearing conversation number one and conversation number two. You know, come to think of it, I don't really give much thought to what ministry I should or shouldn't do in a, in a day. I, I just, I, I'm just sort of living, taking it as it comes. I guess I just sort of shoot from the hip a little bit uh, with no real rhyme or reason at all. You know, we don't always know or choose the right thing to do, the right ministry to be engaged in or even to be involved in it at all. 
And I think what's so helpful about this text is that it portrays Jesus facing those exact same decisions, those exact same dynamics, those exact same uh, priority struggles. And we know that he's going to choose the exact right way to spend his day. And he's going to choose the exact right ministry that he should engage in every single day. And he's going to choose the exact right people to do it with. As you look at this text, perhaps you might uh, put this question in your mind. What determines the priorities of Jesus for the day and why? Why is it that he's doing what he's doing? Following the example of Jesus, let God... Set the priorities of your day. I want you to look with me at Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. Follow along as I read. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. We're going to look here this afternoon at three essentials if God is going to set the priorities of your day. That's what you want, I presume. Well, there are a few essentials if that's going to happen. Essential number one, start by giving yourself and your day to God in prayer. This is simple, but its significance cannot be overstated. Jesus just spent, if you recall from the last couple paragraphs of Mark, Jesus just spent the entire Sabbath day teaching in the synagogue, and then he cast out a demon from a man there in the synagogue. They head off to Peter's house, and uh, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then after dark, he, he heals people all the way late into the night at Peter's house. And eventually, uh, everyone would have headed off to bed, including Jesus. And the text records for us that before sunrise the next morning, Jesus went out of the house. He found a private, secluded, solitary, uninhabited place where he could spend undisturbed time in prayer with God the Father. And he's, he's, it's just really simple. He's starting his day with the Father in prayer. It's simple, and yet at the same time, it is beautiful. What if you did that same thing? Look at verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The text does not record for us what Jesus prayed. We know nothing of the content of his prayer from this text. But we do have an instance in Scripture where Jesus taught his disciples to pray the same way that that he prayed. And that's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 6. If you turn there with me, Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 to 13 are uh, often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. The disciples saw Jesus praying and they said, Lord, teach us to pray like that. And so this is Jesus instructing his disciples, okay, uh, let me show you, let me teach you how I pray. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. 
Uh, Verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this. If you want to know how to pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, You've no doubt heard sermons on the Lord's Prayer and many, many things could be noted about this prayer. Uh, Just to kind of make a few high-level observations, uh, we see worship and adoration at the beginning of the prayer. Worship, adoration, praise to God. And then you you get kind of in the middle there and there's this whole idea of we desire for God's will to be done. God, your will be done. Just like your will is done in heaven, we want that to, to play out here on earth. We want your will done here today. We see a focus on the kingdom of God. Uh, we also see that the last third of the prayer, uh, dependence on God expressed in almost every realm. That's how Jesus prayed. If you want God to set the priorities of your day, then I just want to encourage you, start as Jesus did by giving yourself and your day to God and prayer. Jesus said, this is how I pray. And more than likely that morning, he's praying uh, very much in line with the Lord's prayer. Specifically, I would encourage you to ask God what he wants you to do. God, what do you want? I've got this this day in front of me. God, what do you want? That's what matters for me today. And if you want to know what God wants you to do, well, why don't just ask him? God, this often feels very mysterious to me. But I just want to humbly come before you and acknowledge, I want to know what you want me to do today because that's what matters. Ask God what he wants you to do, and along with that, tell God that you're surrendered to do his will. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prayed like this, Father, your kingdom come, and your will be done. That's the prayer. Your will be done. You should be praying, God, that, that's what I want for today. Here am I. And really, in essence, it, it's a prayer of devotion. I'm devoted to you, God, and whatever your will is for the day, I just want to let you know that here I am. One of the biggest factors to doing the right thing with your day is simply surrendering yourself to what God wants instead of what you want. And if you, if you get to that point, you're 90% there in terms of living your day how God wants you to live it. Ask God what he wants you to do. Tell God that you're surrendered to do his will. And then along with that, beg God for his help and grace. The last third of the Lord's Prayer is is, is just in every realm, it's highlighting dependence. Maybe praying goes something like this. God, I'm surrendered and I'm devoted. I I want to do what you want me to do today, but I need your help. I need wisdom. I need strength. I need discernment. God, I need you. I want this to be a God day that is all about the Father's will. Your will be done. And God, if that's going to happen, then I need you. Long before Jesus was making real-time decisions with his day, he gave himself and his day to the Father in prayer. It's this type of action that prevents disaster in real time. By the time a plane takes off into the air, it's important that that plane be in good working order, obviously. 
To avoid disaster, it needs to be functioning properly. Uh, Flight is not the time for aircraft maintenance, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it's just not a good time for that. If you hop on a plane, you're trusting that the airline has met all of the routine and preventative maintenance requirements for that aircraft and hasn't skipped over a single one. And you're trusting that that plane is ready to be thousands of feet up in the air, soaring at rapid speed with hundreds of souls on board, one of which is you. I think we could compare giving yourself and your day to God in prayer to something like that. Your day is going to take off. You know, it's like you get up out of bed, the plane's still on the ground, and then boom, up it is. You're flying. You're going. Your day is going to take off, and you are going to encounter blue skies, turbulence, inclement weather, and everything in between. And you're going to be faced with decisions on what to do, what not to do, what ministry to engage in, what ministry not to engage in. Giving yourself ahead of time to God in prayer can really prevent you from a wreck of a day or a waste of a day where you completely miss God's priorities. Again, it's it's simple, but start by giving yourself and your day to God in prayer and let God set the priorities for your day. And uh, just just, uh, a, a practicality here, I'm not sure that the exact time matters I mean, we've probably all heard preaching where it was like, you need to get up at, I don't know, probably 3.30 with George Mueller, and you need to get on it, you know, and you need to start your day in prayer. And, and some of you are like, well, I, I mean, I am human, and I probably do need like somewhere between five and eight hours of sleep, you know? How do I, like, is this realistic? And I, I think the observation of this text would be something like this. You may not be an early morning person, Uh, So maybe you should do this the night before. But the key seems to be this, that you do this before you're faced with the decisions. Long before your plane is up in the air, God, this this day is yours. God, I, I want your, what do you want? I want your will, and will you help me? Here I am. I think we see a pattern here that encourages you and I to to start our day with God before we start it with people. Uh, Your ability to effectively minister to other people hinges on your time with God. And you're not unique in this. Jesus recognized that he needed that. And I think that none of us have the excuse to say that we're too busy. Uh, Some of you in here are extremely busy. The last thing I want to do is minimize that, but I think that sometimes we fail to appreciate just how busy Jesus was. I think that, in all honesty, that Jesus <laughs> understands busyness better than any of us. And yet there he is, Father, here I am. Here's my day. Let your will be done. Help me. Up to this point in the day, it's just been Jesus and God the Father. It's this wonderful, beautiful, intimate scene that's no doubt been uh, rich and refreshing. A wonderful time with Jesus and God the Father and no one else in the picture. Can't you just appreciate that? Just Jesus and God the Father. And you've had those moments with the Lord. It's just you and Him. And quiet solitude and it's rich and it's wonderful. No one else in the picture. That is until verse 36, which is going to take us to a second essential if, you're, if God is going to set the priorities of your day. Number two, brace yourself for the perspectives of other people. 
there are some of us who don't really care much about what other people think of us. But let's be honest, most of us do. By nature, we tend to be people pleasers who want other people to be happy with us. We don't want to disappoint anybody. We don't want to cause any problems, ruffle any feathers. We just want, I just hope you all just love me, right? Like, <laughs> that's how most of us feel. But the reality is, what other people want your day to look like and what God wants your day to look like may be two totally different things. Which is why you need to brace yourself for the perspectives of other people. As you try to let God set the priorities of your day, you will hear the opinions of other people. Look at verses 36 and 37 of Mark chapter 1. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him. And then they opened their mouths and they started to talk. And here's what they said. Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Awesome. And then he said to them, let us go on to the next towns. That's why I've come out. You can just imagine what's going on here. Yesterday, Jesus went viral in a Galilean sort of way. He's been healing people late into the night. People are benefiting in life-changing ways at the hands of Jesus. And word is spreading like crazy, not just in Capernaum, but all the surrounding region. And it's traveling uh, by foot. It's traveling by mule and horse. I mean, it's getting out. His popularity is making its way everywhere. And as it goes further and further out, more and more people start coming. What do you think Peter and the other disciples woke up to that next morning at Peter's house? The sun? Uh, the pleasant sound of a rooster crowing? I highly doubt it. It was probably a knock at the door and another massive pile of people from the surrounding regions looking for Jesus to do something for them too. Jesus, would you do for me what you did for my friend? what he had done for all those people the day before. All these people at Peter's house and Jesus is nowhere to be found. So the disciples head out. They hunt him down. They find him. And what do they say? Everyone's looking for you. The very statement implies what the disciples think. What are you doing? <laughs> it's a, come on. Like, you got to get back to my house. Like, there, there are hundreds of people. Everybody's excited. They're clamoring for you. Like, this is really going to take off. Like, I think we're going to be big time. And like, this is awesome. The king is here. Come on. This is great. Well, here's the reality. The disciples haven't prayed about the day. But they seem to know how it should unfold. They seem to know what Jesus should do. And listen, they're not afraid to open their mouths and just let, let it out and offer their opinions. Well-intentioned people, even godly people who want what's best for you, will offer you their opinions free of charge. I mean, just totally free. Here's what your day should look like. Here's what you should do. I've already got it figured out. And as they do so, they will threaten God's priorities for your day. And oftentimes, those opinions are rooted in uh, those people's expectations of you rather than biblical truth or even the Father's will. 
And when this happens, you can feel that you must meet people's expectations. And you must satisfy their opinions. But when you do that, who is determining the schedule? Who is setting the priorities? So many times with our days, it is other people determining the schedule and priorities instead of God. And what's, what is important ends up being sacrificed on the altar of the urgent and on the altar of everybody's opinion. And sometimes in order to say yes to the best things, you have to say no to good things. No, that, that's not what's going to happen. And that is exactly what Jesus is going to do. As people share their perspectives, I think it's worth considering that some people do have a legitimate, the legitimate authority to determine the elements of your day or to speak strongly to the matter. Okay, so for example, you're employed and your boss says, here's what you're going to do today. Well, that's what you're going to do today. Um, you're, you're married and you're having conversations with your spouse. There's some weight there. Um, I, th- I think in God's plan for life and ministry in the church that hopefully uh, what your pastors and elders, how they would counsel and advise you, hopefully there's weight there. God directs us through his word and often through his people as well. And some people will speak to you based on biblical principles and they, they will ration, rationalize with you biblically through these various dynamics. They will bring up biblical principles and truths and others will just offer their opinions just like the disciples did. This is so obvious, you should do this. Or you may have certain commitments that you need to fulfill. The Bible never encourages the type of rogue individualism that ignores all these kinds of realities. It just doesn't. Some time ago, my wife and I were considering and praying about making a significant ministry transition. And we were fairly certain uh, what God wanted us to do uh, at that point. We had been praying about it. We had been seeking counsel. And we were just pretty confident. We think God wants us to proceed with this ministry transition. And after a worship service, a godly person who my wife and I both deeply love and respect approached us. And this person said uh, something to this effect. I don't think you should do this. And here are several factors that would seem to indicate that this is not the right choice in this situation. And the factors that this person brought up, they, they weren't like way out there in left field somewhere. They, they were real. They were legitimate. It's like, yeah, these are real factors in, in this decision. And this person was sharing these things with us very much out of love for us and for our family and for our church. Well, that conversation uh, was about whether or not uh, we should come here to Beaumont Baptist Church. And well, I mean, you can, I guess you know what we decided to do because here we are. Uh, We came anyway because it seemed clear that that's what God wanted. And we had prayed about it and our souls were at rest. God, this is what you want us to do. We should all have ears to listen to what people are saying to us. But know as well that the voice of others may not always correspond to the Father's will. And it's so liberating when you start just as Jesus did with his day. Father, what do you want? And here I am. And will you help me? Jesus did that. The disciples didn't. You will hear the opinions of others. And perhaps even harder, you will disappoint people. That is going to happen. Look at verse 38. 
The disciples are like, hey, everybody's looking for you. You should come back to Peter's house. And Jesus said to them in verse 38, actually, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. The disciples have clearly implied what they think Jesus should do that day. And there are droves of sick people and demon-possessed people, no doubt, lined up back at Peter's house waiting for Jesus to help them. The crowds are just growing. And they're going to grow and grow and grow throughout the beginning of the book of Mark. And Jesus says, no. 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 We're not going back to Peter's house. That's not the Father's will for us today. Can you imagine? There are probably going to be some very disappointed people who aren't going to let up until they get what they came for. They're going to be disappointed about the benefit that they're not getting from Jesus. And some of them may not just be disappointed about some benefit that they're not getting from Jesus. They're going to be disappointed with Jesus himself. Like as in it's personal. Some might even be angry with him and the disciples. If you let God set the priorities of your day, there will no doubt be times when you disappoint people, even people that you deeply care about. You may disappoint your spouse or children or parents. You may disappoint your friends, loved ones, and fellow church members. You may disappoint people with real needs that are looking for you to meet those needs. You may disappoint ministry companions. They may just not understand. Sometimes God's will even ironically compels you to leave apparently fruitful and popular ministry and go minister doing something else. Why? Well, the Father's will, it's what matters and it's not always what we expect. So here's the question. Are you okay with disappointing people like that? in order to let God set the priorities of your day? Or, maybe I could word it this way, are you too proud to say no? Often our inability to say no is exactly that. It is often pride. We're too proud to let others down. We're too proud to let others think less of us. That's the last thing that we would like. Don't you just love the feeling of people being disappointed in you? It's like a really good feeling. (laughs) Oh, I just love this. Please give me some more. (laughs) Just lay it on me, how much you're disappointed in me. Nobody likes that. It's not a good feeling. But you know what? It's okay. You don't need to apologize. You will hear the opinions of others and you will disappoint people. And guess what else? You will be just fine. When pleasing God is your top priority of the day, it is liberating. It liberates you in good conscience to say one little word without regret. No. No, I I can't. And graciously, like, I mean, I, I am sorry, but not like in a way that I've wronged you. I just, I would love to, but I can't. You will hear the opinions of others. You will disappoint people. You will be just fine. You can't do it all. And at times, you're going to feel like you're letting others down. And again, that's okay. Don't let people who don't understand determine the mission. And don't feel bad about it. If you've followed and submitted to the Father, then you have succeeded. Isn't that great? That the Father has a will. 
And he has a plan. And he has ministry that he wants you engaged in. And if at the beginning of your day you say, Father, this is about your will. And here I am. And would you help me? And throughout your day, you just keep coming back to that. How liberating is that? I can't do it all. But God, I'm going to try to do what you want me to do. It's so freeing. It is liberating, a liberating thing when God sets the agenda for your ministry and for your day. And no matter what others are saying you should do, you don't have to feel guilty. Brace yourself for the perspectives of other people and let God set the priorities of your day. And number three, third essential, make sure that you are crystal clear on your God-given mission. What is my day supposed to be about? What is my life and mission here on earth? What is it? Why, why has God created me? And why has he put me here on this earth? Look at verses 38 and 39 with me. And Jesus said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And oh, wow, like that's, that's pretty amazing, the clarity that Jesus seems to have on exactly what he should be doing. Jesus is very clear on what he is supposed to do that day. He's very clear on what his purpose and his mission is and what he should do to fulfill it. For Jesus, on this day, it's preaching the good news of the gospel and the kingdom, just as he had already done back in verses 14 and 15. That's, he said, this is what I need to do. And he did, he did exactly that with the Father's blessing. Jesus' purpose has never been to merely heal people physically. I mean, he, all, there's all these crowds back at Peter's house, but Jesus knows that's, that's really not the heart of why I'm here. Jesus' purpose has never been to merely heal people physically, but rather to truly heal them. To share the good news of the gospel with them. To share and preach and herald the kingdom of God that there is a king. And he has a kingdom and the response to God, this great king, is to repent of your sins against him. And to believe in the good news about Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. That is the good news. And Jesus is heralding that message and saying to people, the kingdom of God is near. What you need to do is repent of your sin and put your trust. Believe in the good news. Believe in the gospel. And that's what God wants of everyone here today. He wants that for you that you would become part of his kingdom and repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ and his work. I want you to turn just back probably a page or two in your Bible to the end of Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. You need to clarify exactly what your mission is and what your mission is not. And you can do that. And it will greatly help you as you seek to let God set the priorities of your day. Jesus, it was, it was so clear. I'm going to do this and here's why. This is my mission. This is my purpose. How on earth could you have that same kind of clarity? Is that even possible? Yes, it's possible. How? Why? 
Because God has already told you exactly what your mission is. And we, it's a famous passage. The heading uh, in my Bible over this text is called the Great Commission. Here's your mission. Let's look at it just briefly, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus, before he ascended up into heaven, said this to his followers, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Your mission is essentially twofold. What is it? Well, the the first side of the mission, so to speak, is to make new followers, to make more disciples of Jesus. That's what God wants all all of us to be trying to do is we're telling other people about Jesus and we're saying, hey, come follow Jesus with me. I've repented of my sins and trusted in Jesus and I want to invite you to do that same thing. There's this great news about Jesus and come follow. Give your life to the king. So the, the one aspect of the mission is to make new followers or disciples of Jesus. And the, the second aspect is then to teach them to live following the commands of Jesus. Here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I want to help you. And I want, let's grow together. Those two activities ought to drive the choices of your day. And you need to be crystal clear on them. If you can get those two things in your head, this is what my life is about. My life is about other people coming to a saving relationship with Jesus and then helping people who have put their trust in Jesus Christ to save them. I'm then trying to help them walk the walk and follow Jesus and grow and change even as I try to do the very same thing myself. Are you crystal clear on your God-given mission? Let God set the priorities of your day. He's already told you what those are. You can imagine a special operations team perhaps being sent behind enemy lines uh, to rescue a hostage. These sorts of things happen, right? A hostage has been taken by the evil government of, you know, I don't know. There's lots of them out there. Take your pick. But the hostage is behind enemy lines, right? And some awesome, amazing country is going to rescue this person. And so they put together their special forces team and they've got this whole plan. We think the hostage is here and the bad guy's here and the bad guy's there. And (coughs) here's the objective. Rescue the hostage. And the objective is really simple and it's really clear. Get the hostage out alive. Special operations teams like that go in knowing exactly what they're trying to do and exactly what they're not trying to do. And knowing their objective allows them to get in and get out as quickly and as safely and as successfully as possible and hopefully succeed in their mission. Without a clear objective, you're headed for failure. Can you imagine if a team like that went in and they're like, I don't know what we're doing, and they're behind enemy lines? It's not going to end well. God has given you a mission with clear objectives. And if you stay focused on those, God is going to, He's going to bless that in his own time, in his own way. And just to be clear, going back a few messages in Mark, the mission is all about people and their relationship to Jesus. It's all about people. It is about names and it is about faces. People need to, to, they need to hear about Jesus. They need to know him and they need to follow him. 
with their lives. The mission is all about people. So make sure you're crystal clear on your God-given mission and let God set the priorities of your day. And Sometimes what that means is you actually need to deal with competing priorities that will send you totally off mission. I had to do this this week. I just realized there, there's something um, that I'm trying, that just it's just sitting on my mind all week long. And it has nothing to do with the mission. But every time my, my brain has like free time or space, it just goes there. And it's like this vortex sucking all of my thought. And I realized, you know what? I, I, need, to, I need to wrap that up, tie a little bow on top and be done. So that I can focus on what God wants me to focus on. Deal with competing priorities that will send you off mission. And maybe just looking at this passage and uh, these three essentials that we've looked at, maybe you feel like you've been dropping the ball here. I know I certainly, as I looked through this text this week, I thought, you know, some of my days are better than others, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like some days I feel like I do this type of thing well, and other days I'm not even sure I've given it much thought. And if you sit here and you realize that you've been dropping the ball, ask God to forgive you. and Say, God, I'm not sure that I've really been getting it or doing this. And acknowledge to God that there's a problem and ask God to help you in the future. God, I want to do this. I know it's right. Will you help me live each day like this? Devote yourself and your day to him. Here I am, God. Okay, the past, there's, I haven't been doing it great. I ask you to forgive me. And here we go. And for those of you, perhaps, going back to the conversation samples that I started with, for those of you who aren't sure what to do, um, you know, there's the one group of people, it's just like, I got too much to do, all these people, and I can't, I don't know the difference between what I could do and what I should do. And there are some of you who are saying, man, like, I, here I am, I just don't know what to do. For those of you, keep your focus on making spiritual investments in people. Remember, the mission is about people. And so what you want to do is you want to think names and faces. You want to start praying names and faces. Remember how Jesus called his disciples and he said to them, when he called these fishermen, he said essentially to them, guys, it's me and it's men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Me and men. And so I would encourage you, knowing that people are at the heart of the mission, to just pray to God and say, God, here I am. My day is yours. And I know when I when I crystal clear on what the mission is, I know it's about people. I know that much. I'm not sure who. I'm not sure of the names and the faces, but that much I am clear on. And pray to God and that about that and just ask that He would direct you to another person or people that you could invest in. Okay, God, I, I'm ready to go. And I'm going to keep my eyes and ears open. God, would you help me? Would you direct me to another person that I could invest in? That I could walk this Christian walk with as a friend, as a brother, as a sister in Christ? There's so much more to this than just interacting with people on a Sunday morning or here today on a Sunday afternoon or serving in some kind of official ministry capacity on a Sunday or some other time throughout the week. This should be your and, and my daily focus. Okay, God, my life today, it, it's about your will, and I know your will is people, and they need to know about you. 
and you want me to be the messenger. And people that have already put their trust in you, you want me to be a person who comes alongside and helps people. Even if I'm a brand new Christian myself, you want me to teach others what I know and what I'm learning. I think going back to Jesus saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, this whole me and men idea. Um, It's also time really well spent to invest in your own spiritual health so that you can do that and, and you can really help others. Your ability to help others follow Jesus hinges on your following of Jesus yourself. And so any time where you're spent saying, God, I want to I know you better, I want to study your word, I want to grow, so valuable in helping you live out the mission. The kingdom of God advances, uh, and one of the ways is through right priorities, as we've seen today. God, this is about you. This is your day. Here I am. And what other people think I should do, that's secondary to what you think. Here I am. Will you use me? And my life today, it's about the mission. And would you help me live on that mission? Let God set the priorities of your day. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me at this time?